good singing this morning, the good piano playing. If you consider yourself a visitor this morning, we're thankful that you're here with us. We pray that we've made you to feel welcome, and uh, we're glad that you're with us today. I have a great interest and a desire in your prayers today uh, that the Lord might help me and uh, truly want to exalt his name that the Lord Jesus might be lifted up. Uh, I feel the need, I, I want to say just a few preliminary remarks maybe before I get started today. Last Sunday, we tried our best uh, to bring out what it is to come into the Lord's house and to worship Him. And There's a time and a place for everything. Certainly, I uh, don't want to re-preach that sermon, but I want to say this. I realize with small children, it's hard to keep them entertained sometimes. Uh, but certainly we've not come that they might be entertained. My young boys, eh? uh, my littlest, and he's got a few little old things we try to play. And never do we ever want to bring anything that would be a distraction to someone else. Uh, never. But on the same hand, I'll say this, that when I was a little boy, and people say, well, things change a lot when you get older. When I was a little boy, I think y'all have heard me talk about this some, but when I come to the Lord's house, my grandparents, uh, my mentality was when I was little that all of us young boys, we would trade Hot Wheel cars after church. And we weren't allowed to trade Hot Wheel cars during church, but after church. We'd go out to the parking lot, and it was just kind of the thing to do. I guess the thing now is Pokemon cards, or at least that's what I've been told. Uh... But that's what we done. But now when time for church was, it was time for church. And the day, the night that I realized that I was lost and separated from God, uh, I sat up on the front seat because that's where my grandmother made me sit. And I didn't have anything to play with, nothing that was distracting me. Now listen, I want to say this. I realized with young children, and I would never, uh, I don't want you to misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm thankful for young children. I've heard people have a hard time saying, well, the young people, young babies is crying. Listen, if we're not hearing crying in our church, we've got problems. But there's a time and a place for everything. And certainly today, uh, there comes an age when we, even with Braxton, I've told him, said, son, uh, you're past the toy age. Uh, you need to be listening. Uh, I've told you before, I've got an interest and a desire that that boy would be saved and and I want him to listen to what does say the word of God. So I say that today, and I pray that you understand my heart. I've heard some people say, well, I disagree with that. I heard a preacher one time make a comment, and he said, well, it don't bother me if young kids come up here and sit down while I'm preaching. And listen, uh, I don't, we don't need distractions. Uh, and uh, so when the word of God is being preached, we need to be attentive. And we need to be listening. Uh, whether I'm preaching it or somebody else is. So I say that today. I pray that you understand my heart in what I'm trying to say. And uh, I pray that you listen today. I told you here a while back, it's been my heart and it's been my thought for the last several weeks, maybe for some time, that I have been thinking about who will I leave behind. And I pray as all of God's people that has been upon our mind, and upon our heart, 
And uh, that thought come to me some weeks ago, and it doesn't seem like I've been able to get past it. And, and I'm going to try with the Lord's help this morning to try to speak on those things. Uh, where we'll take our lesson and maybe where we'll take our text from this morning might seem a little different. But I want to preach what God's put on my heart. I want to take for our reading lesson this morning out of the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel. Fifth chapter the book of Daniel this morning for a reading lesson. And I pray this morning that you might listen. As a pastor, as a preacher, my desire is that you might see past me and that you might see the Lord Jesus. That He might be exalted in such a way that this morning that your heart might be convicted and that you might turn to the Lord. Fifth chapter of Daniel. Fifth chapter of Daniel. It says here in the first verse, it says, Belshazzar the king made great feast to the thousands of his lords and drank wine before the thousands. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines, might drink therein. And they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem, and the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines drank in them. And they drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood and stone, And in the same hour came forth fingers of men's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And the king's countenance was changed and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. And the king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers. And the king spake and said unto the wise man of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and show me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet and have a chain of gold about his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known the king's interpretation thereof. Then the king, then was the king, Belshazzar, greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. And I want to go on over, if you will, just for a moment, uh, there in the 25th verse of this same chapter, 25th verse of this same chapter, and it says this, and Daniel here making the interpretation of the writing of these fingers that wrote upon this plastered wall, it says, here is the writing that was written, Mani, Mani, Tekel, Parson. And this is the interpretation of the thing. Mani, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. First, thy kingdom is divided and given unto the Medes and the Persians. Then commanded, Uh, Then commanded Belshazzar 
And they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the ruler in the kingdom. And in that night was Belshazzar the king, excuse me, the king of the Chaldean slain. And Darius the Midian took the kingdom, being about threescore or two years old, with the mistakes that we've made reading this morning. And I want to, if you will, uh, go over with me uh, this morning into the sixth chapter of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The sixth chapter in the first verse of the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says here in this first verse and the second verse, he says, And I saw, and when the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, and one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And I want to stop there just for a moment, and I pray that God would help me bring this all together this morning with the thought that he has given me. I, I want you to understand this morning as we begin to think about some of these things that I, I suppose that there is a mentality amongst a lot of people that if you'll go back uh, a previous chapter, uh, it begins to talk about Nebuchadnezzar who was the king there of Babylon uh, who had overcome uh, the destruction there of Jerusalem. And uh, he was, uh, had a great amount of wealth and he had a great amount of power. Uh, even the Lord uh, had declared those things unto him that his kingdom uh, reached uh, uh, up into the skies. It reached all the, the far ends of the earth. And uh, here he's uh, uh, making a declaration of these things. And the Lord, I believe, began to work on Nebuchadnezzar's heart because if you'll remember, uh, he's seen a, a vision of a statue. And as he's seen this vision of this statue, uh, the Scriptures begins to uh, kind of go through what this statue represents. Uh, but yet there was a stone that was cut out of the mountain uh, that would uh, overcome this statue. And if you'll remember, Nebuchadnezzar, I believe in my heart, uh, he had a desire, the Bible says, that he was lifted up with pride is what it was. And he had a desire, I believe, as he created this golden statue that all in the kingdom might worship it. And if you'll remember there, there was uh, uh, those three Hebrew children uh, that they would not bow down to worship this golden image. Now, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had done made a decree that those that did not bow down to worship this golden statue, that they would be cast into this furnace of fire that was heated seven times hotter than it normally would be. It was extremely hot. Uh, but if you'll remember here, and, and listen, prior to this, uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had told Daniel, uh, and the Spirit of God was in Daniel. He had told him uh, uh, that his, he had uh, made uh, 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 statements about Daniel's God. He had said different things, but I truly do not believe up until this point that Nebuchadnezzar had had a heart of repentance. Uh, so he sees as he goes up and makes a view uh, uh, there into this furnace. As he looks in, uh, it says there that he sees those three Hebrew children walking around and he sees the fourth one likened to the Son of God. He's seen him. He had, uh, uh, he, he's seen him with his own eyes. 
But yet, uh, I still do not believe that that had the effect that it needed to have on Nebuchadnezzar's heart. Because here, uh, a little prior to this, Nebuchadnezzar gets a vision there of a great tree that had great branches and leaves that sprung out. And uh, it says then that it would be cut down and there would be a stump that would be left. And I believe as Daniel uh, began to tell him, and listen, I know this is a lot to cover, but Daniel began to tell him the interpretation of this dream. And as he told him the interpretation, he told him about him being the stump and that he would, uh, uh, the things that would come to pass of him, that uh, uh, it goes into a description of how uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, uh, would be taken out of his kingdom, uh, how that he would uh, uh, eat of uh, the grass of the earth like the ox did, and how that his uh, nails would grow long, and how that the dew would fall upon his back. And God had made a decree. He had said those things were going to come to pass. And it would be the, for the span of seven seasons, seven years. And I believe that when God spoke that, that it happened immediately. I believe it happened just right then. And when God says something, when God says that this is the way that it's going to be, my friend, we stand upon the truth of God's Word because Jesus Christ is the Word. We stand upon His Word. God had told Nebuchadnezzar that these things was going to come to pass. But I believe in my heart, and as Nebuchadnezzar was out there, and he was uh, going along, I can't imagine uh, all of these things that come to pass on him. Basically, the man went mad. He took, God took the most highly exalted man as far as in the flesh. His kingdom was uh, beyond uh, what we could even imagine, the wealth that he had. And God brought him down to a place to where he was eating of the grass like the ox of the field. He took everything away from him. But I believe God was doing that that he might be able to work on his heart. I believe he was getting him to a place to where he was getting his pride out of the way. And my friend, pride is still affecting mankind today. There's a sense of pride amongst uh, uh, those that are lost that uh, they don't want to recognize that they're lost or uh, maybe uh, they're willing to go so far but they're not willing to go all the way for the Lord Jesus listen today if you're here and lost you've got to be willing to go anywhere uh, listen you can pray at your seat you can pray at this altar but my friends you can't let anything stand in your way when you're seeking God you've got to go all the way because He went all the way for you. You've got to go all the way. 
It doesn't matter what's standing in your way. Listen, it doesn't matter if you're here with company this morning. It doesn't matter if you're here with a family. It doesn't matter if you don't know a single soul here that if the Lord is working on your heart and yet you sit there saying, I'm not going to move. I'm not going to do this because this person might see me or that person might see me. Listen, that's a sense of pride that's standing in your way. You've got to be willing to go all the way. Because the Lord Jesus went all the way for you. I believe in all of my heart during this time that Nebuchadnezzar found the Lord. I want to read just a portion of that. And I know I'm all over the place, but for me to tell you about Belshazzar, I've got to tell you a little bit about Nebuchadnezzar and how the Lord worked on his heart. It says here in the 34th verse of that 4th chapter, and it says, At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes into heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of earth are reputed as nothing, and He doeth according to His will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can... And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? And at the time uh, uh, when my reasoning returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom and mine honor and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, he no longer declared him uh, the gods uh, there of Daniel, but he declared him as uh, the king of heaven. I believe there was something that happened to this man, Nebuchadnezzar. I believe that man was saved. I believe that. You take somebody that's been highly exalted, that has everything that the world has to offer, and my friend, God put him in a place to where he brought him down. And my friend, this morning, that's what needs to happen to you. Listen, that's what, was, that's what happened to me. You've got to get to a place to where, uh, my friend, you get down low. You get down to a place to where you realize that without God, you're nothing. That you're hopeless. That only and through by Jesus Christ is there hope for you. And without Him, you have nothing in this world. It might seem like you have everything. You might have, listen, you might be like Nebuchadnezzar and it seemed like you have the things of the world, the wealth, everything the world has to give you. But without Jesus, you've got nothing. Nothing. And I believe that's exactly what God done for Nebuchadnezzar. I believe He brought him down. To a place to where he seen himself for what he was. And that's what has to happen to you. But he said, I honor the kingdom of heaven whose all works are true. And his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase them. He's able to bring them down. 
My friend, I don't know this morning what's going to have to bring you down. I don't know this morning. Listen, even as God's people, we have to be brought down. You realize pride still gets in my way? It does. Heard Brother Monty Shoulder say yesterday, he said, I heard somebody say we don't necessarily need to say that we're proud of our kids. We need to say that we're thankful for them. And boy, there's an honest truth in that. He made a point. He said, I've never seen anywhere in the Scripture that proud is ever used in a good sense. And my friend, there's truth in that. We need to be thankful, and it's very easy to get puffed up and have a proud heart about us, even as God's people. But Nebuchadnezzar said that those that are lifted up with pride that God is able to abase. He's able to bring them down. And I certainly don't know this morning what it'll take for you to be brought down, but my friend, I know that God can do it. The Lord here, as we find here in this fifth chapter, and I'll get over to Revelation in a minute. But here in this fifth chapter, we find that this is the son there of Nebuchadnezzar. The best that we can tell. And it says there, as they were somewhat, just to put it in layman terms to you, they were having a kind of a big party, a big uh, thing going on, if you will. And they had brought the holy vessels of God into this place. And was drinking wine and doing all sorts of minor things out of them. And God spoke through His hand as He began to write there upon the wall. And my friend, this morning I want you to understand something that uh, God may not necessarily show you things uh, in this manner, but my friend, this morning if you're here and lost or maybe you've never become lost, but I want you to know when that time comes that God can show you and He's the only one that can show you. There's not a preacher here today that can tell you if you're lost. I wouldn't dare try to tell my own children that they're lost and separated from God. Listen, nobody had to tell me that I was lost. What let me know that I was lost? The conviction of the Holy Spirit of God let me know that I was lost. That's what let me know that I was lost. What let me know that I needed to come to an altar and seek God? That's where He was drawing me to. That's what it was for me. It ain't that way for everybody. I've heard people say, well, you go and pray where you need to go. If, if he's telling you to go here or go there, listen, I believe that to a certain extent. But what he's wanting you to do is to repent and believe upon the Lord Jesus, and I believe that can happen anywhere. Your heart's got to get in the right condition. That's what matters is the condition of your heart and where your heart's at this morning. I believe you can be saved up here on this altar just as much as I believe that you can be saved out there in that parking lot. It doesn't make any difference to me as long as you get it. Now this man here, he was out there and basically just to put it this way, it says, and in that same hour came forth the fingers of man's hands and rode over against the candlestick upon a plaster of wall in the king's palace, and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote, 
Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him so much that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. My friend, I don't know how it is with you, but I still believe in the troubling of God's Spirit when He convicts you because that's how it was for me and I don't have any other way to preach it to you this morning than the way that God gave it to me. When the convicting power of God fell upon me, I was troubled. My friend, I was brought low. <laughs> Listen to me this morning. I had a fear in my heart that if I died, that I was going to spend eternity in a devil's hell. That's how it was with me. Listen, this man found trouble. There was sorrow. His, listen, his countenance was changed about him. He was different than when he was before. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you this morning? There was something different about him. His knees began to tremble. Listen, he was, my friend, I believe there's a great fear that come upon him. And my friend, this morning you need to recognize who it is. My friend, that you're dealing with. My friend, you need to realize who it is. My friend, the one that's troubling your heart this morning. Uh, listen, we're talking about the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all things. You need to understand this morning who it is that we're talking about. We're talking about the Lord Jesus, the creator of all things. It says his countenance was changed and there was a great trouble that come upon him. My friend, that's the way it was for me. I don't know how it was for you. Maybe on the outside I've heard people say, Brother Casey, I don't believe you've got to shed one tear and I don't necessarily believe that you've got to have an outward showing. But my friend, this heart right here on the inside, when God is dealing with you, it'll change something in here. It'll be broken. You understand what I'm trying to tell you today? <laughs> There's something on the inside that changes that you, lets you know that without God you can do nothing, that you're hopeless. This man found himself that way. says his countenance was changed. He began to seek out those that might be able to interpret these things. His wife said, remember there was a man that came and was able to interpret the dreams of your father. Seek out this man named Daniel. Daniel, I love the way he puts it this way. In the 17th verse, he says it this way. He says, Then Daniel answered and said before the king, Let thy gifts be to thyself, and give thy rewards to another. Yet I will read the writings unto the king, and make known to him 
the interpretation thereof. You remember the king had promised, he said, you find anybody. We'll put a robe of scarlet, we'll put gold chains about his neck. And Daniel said, you keep those things to yourself. I just want to follow the Spirit of God. I want to do, I'll interpret these dreams. No doubt that God had given Daniel a great gift to be able to do that. Listen to what Daniel says to him here in this 20th verse. He was talking about his, talking about his Nebuchadnezzar here. He said, but when his heart was lifted up, his mind was hardened in pride, and he was disposed from the kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. And he was driven from the sons of men, and his heart was made like the beast, and his dwellings with the wild asses, and they fed him with grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God ruled in the kingdom of men, and that he appointed over it whomsoever he will. And thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knowest all of this. My friends, some of you this morning have been raised up this way your whole life. You sat under the preaching of sound doctrine. You sat under the preaching of sound preachers, those that have known the Scripture, those that have been filled with the Holy Ghost. My friend, this morning, knowing that if you're here and lost, that at any moment in time that you could die without God, and yet you sit there and you sit there and you don't seek Him. Listen this morning. I believe there has to come an effort when seeking God. You remember those four lepers that we read about? They said, why sit us here till we die? If we sit here, we're going to die, but let's make a move. And my friend, this morning I believe in all of my heart that if you're ever going to be saved, you've got to make a move towards God. You've got to seek Him. He told him, he said, thou knowest all of this. He said, you've seen what happened to your father. You've seen it. Listen to me this morning. Maybe you've never seen it with your own eyes. But my friend, I know how the Holy Spirit talks and how He communicates to people, how He communicates to your heart. And my friend, He's just as able to let you know if you lost this morning or if you saved as well as He did for me. If you truly in your heart desire to know this morning where you stand with God, He'll let you know. I believe that. If you want to know, He'll let you know. But my friend, I can't tell you this morning, and bless your heart, I would not tell you this morning where you stand in the presence of an almighty God. That's not my job to tell you. It's God's job. He's the one that lets you know where your heart stands this morning. Nobody told me when I come up off the altar, my friend, seeking God, but the Spirit of God let me know. He says here in this 21st, 23rd verse, he said, But thou hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought vessels 
into his house before thee and thou and thine lords and thine wives and thy concubines and have drunk wine in them and thou hast praised the gods of silver and of gold and of brass and of wood and stone which thou seest not nor hear nor know and the God in whose hand thy breath is and who at all of thy ways hast thou not glorified <laughs> listen to me this morning my friend, everything that we have, everything that we do this morning, do you realize that you was created for His glory? You was created for His glory. Listen to me this morning. Do you not see... Who holds you in the palm of his hand. You remember that song we used to sing as children. He's got the whole world in the palm of his hand. You think about the whole world. You think about the countless billions and billions of people that have lived on this earth. And my friend it's been his desire. It's been his will. That none should perish but that all should come to eternal life. You think about what his will is. It's his will that none should perish. I want you to think about this morning. Who holds your, your life. In the palm of his hand. You know what. What. Uh, You know what Job 14 says? Job 14 says this. It says, Seeing his days are determined and the number of his months are with thee, thou hast appointed his bonds that he cannot pass. That, friend, that means that God has an appointed time, and I don't know when that is. But my friend, each and every one of us is going to die one day after a while. Every one of us. He says he set bonds that you cannot pass. My friend, when that time comes, what's going to happen? You might have fun for a season in this life, but what about the life ahead of you? What's going to happen when you draw your last breath in this life? I've met a lot of people that have a hopeful salvation. They say, I hope that I get to heaven. I hope that I make it. Listen. All of my trust is in Jesus. If the blood of Jesus Christ doesn't get me there, then nothing else My hope and my rest is in the Lord Jesus. For what he done for me. I want you to know and understand this morning that. Not only do you have to think about. What he says over here in this writing. But he says this. He said. Daniel says the interpretation of this thing. He said, Mani, Mani, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. 
He said, thou art weighed in the balances and are found wanting. And my friend, that verse began to stick out to me. And my friend, this morning I pray that uh, the Lord Jesus is the only one this morning that has the, uh, he has the, uh, the op- he has the ability and he's the only one that this morning that has the, uh, the authority to execute judgment. He says it this way in the Gospel of John. He says, for as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son of Man to have life in himself, and hath given him the authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. He is the judge. And uh, when you come to the end of this life, There are those this morning that I have to preach my own convictions. I have to preach it the way that God gives it to me. And there are those this morning that uh, when you come to the sixth chapter of Revelation, it seems that uh, a lot of people either take one of two roads. Uh, They seem to go along one way or maybe go the other way. I tend to look at the book of Revelation as uh, there's a lot of symbols. Uh, There's a lot of figuratism in this book. I believe it to be of a historical nature, a lot of it. And uh, I have sought some prayer, but a lot of times people come upon this letter here and they make a uh, statement that when you begin to see these things, then you know that the end is approaching. And my friend this morning, Jesus himself said it this way. He said... uh, that no man knoweth the hour when he returneth. No man knoweth the day. And my friend, that's the reason why he told them to watch and not slumber, but to be ready. And my friend, this morning, if we preach this, that these things are to come, then that implies, my friend, then that there is time. And we do not preach a limited time, but yet rather we preach a now is today, the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time, my friend. Today is the day. There are those that say that this has to come to be before the Lord Jesus comes back. And I'll just be honest with you, I tend to believe a lot of it's already happened. That's my personal conviction. In this first verse, he says it this way. And I have prayed about this all week, but my friend, I want you to know this morning. If I don't get anything else out to you today... I want you to know and understand that my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is victorious. He says it this way, and I saw when the Lamb opened the seals and I heard one of the four beasts saying, come and see, and I saw and behold a white horse. And that horse to me is symbolic in the nature that only royalty would ride upon that white horse. And that, white, that word white represents the word light. That's what it means in the Greek. And my friend, when Jesus, when you read about Jesus there in the first chapter of John, he talks about how that John came bearing witness 
Uh, he said, I am not the light, but he came bearing witness of the true light. <laughs> and my friend, Jesus Christ is the light that shineth out in the darkness. And my friend, I believe the only one that can, we can see on this white horse is the Lord Jesus. That word white represents righteousness. And it says, he that sat on him had a bow. And a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And my friend, that word, Bo, I began to think about that. And that, listen, this could go so deep today. And, but uh, there's oftentimes I know that he's depicted in the scripture with a sword, but he's also depicted in the Old Testament with a bow. And my friend, two different kinds of bows, really. He's depicted with a bow that he made a covenant there with mankind when he said, I'll, I'll not flood the earth again. And my friend, he made a bow in the sky. Now here it is too that he, I believe he's talking about a literal bow, but when he's talking about shooting those five, when he shoots the dart, when he shoots the arrow, he'll direct it into the heart of man where it needs to go. He is the one that does that. He's the only one that can do that. I heard a preacher preaching this a different way, and boy, I just can't see it that way. The only one that I can see on this white horse is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can come conquering and to conquer. That word conquer means to overcome. Do you know what he told his uh, disciples there in the 16th chapter of John? He says... Uh, uh, he said, be of good cheer. He said, for I have overcome the world. He's overcome it. How was he the victor? You know what, John, what the apostle Paul says there in the first Corinthian letter in the 15th chapter? He says, the last enemy is death. But he says, Jesus Christ has put all things under his feet. He is the victor. He's put it all under his feet. He's the first fruits of the resurrection. That's what the apostle Paul said. He said the last enemy's death. And do you know who conquered it? The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. My friend. You know what the apostle Paul said. You realize through Him, we're not saved of ourselves. But through Him, one day, I'm going to be a victor too. I'm going to overcome that last enemy, Brother Schroeder. <laughs> He's been on my heels since the day that I started breathing. <laughs> And I'm going to overcome him one day after a while through the blood of the Lamb. He's been on my heels since the moment that I was conceived and started breathing air. <laughs> but thanks be unto God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I'm going to overcome him. <laughs> 
talks about down here. One of these seals being opened and he said, and this black horse and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. My friend, there's a great judgment that's coming one day after a while. The Lord Jesus will be the judge. He said that when that day comes, he'll separate the sheep from the goats. The sheep will be on the right hand, the goats on the left hand. I don't understand all of revelation, the revelation of Jesus. I don't understand it. It's, a, it's of a symbolic nature. I don't understand it all. But I want to say this. My friend, when you come before the presence of God, He's looking for one thing. And He's looking for one thing only. He's looking to see if that blood has been applied. He's wanting to see if you're one of His. My friend, this morning, there's coming a judgment. When all that are just and unjust will stand before Him, and my friend, they'll give an account. And He's looking to see if that blood has been applied. And this morning, if that blood has not been applied to your heart, my friend, will you not seek God until you find Him? Until He's been made real in your heart. Until you know without a doubt that you've been saved. Why would you ever want to chance it? Why would you ever want a chance going out here walking through these doors today and something happened to you and you spend an eternity burning in hell forever and ever in damnation forever when you can seek God today? Brother Strode, if you'll get us a song ready. If you're here and lost, if you don't know where you stand, won't you seek God until it becomes real in your heart and you know without a doubt that heaven will be your home. That Jesus Christ is your king. My friend, he come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. My friend, when he comes again, it won't be that way. It won't be that way. My friend, won't you seek God while you have an opportunity? Verse 2, 
Turn him. 